Welcome to the Daily Combat Podcast. The Daily Combat Podcast is brought to you as always by Olympic hopeful turned boxer and all-round sporting polymath Isabella Rossitano, arm wrestling influencer Hollywood Matt Connolly, and combat sports ring announcer Dave Stockbridge. So join Izzy, Dave, and Matt as we talk about the world of combat sports on this episode of the Daily Combat Podcast. This is Hollywood Matt Connolly. Welcome to the Daily Combat Podcast. She is back today. She's finally made it. We found her. She's been in the mist, in the wild, in the shadows. She's finally been tracked down. Harder to find than Santa Claus. It is. It is Isabella Rossitano, the girl who's doing about 50 things at once. Literally, what did you do? 70, 70K walk yesterday? 70K. Started as a run, actually. It was uh, a run walk. Right. It definitely ended as a walk. <laughs> as a the crawl. last 35 kilometres were a crawl. God, are you, what, what were you doing? It was very painful. Uh-huh. Was I this part of, like, what you just decided, eh, I want to go for 70Ks? Well, the longer story, the explanation for why I decided to do a 70-kilometre run walk I'm not quite sure what to call it. Uh, a run walk is probably a run the most. Walk. Yeah, a sure. run walk is what it was. Um, was because I was meant to go shark diving this week. Oh, oh yes, yes, that's right. And it I got had canceled. a job. The sharks have COVID. They uh, they can't get well, near the people. That's, uh, that's 1.5 metres. Exactly. Right. That's the excuse they're running with. But I've also heard that they were too scared of me. Of course. Um, that yeah. right hook. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they were scared. They, they knew were scared. it was coming. Oh, yeah, oh, hang exactly. On. <laughs> so what happened was I had a job. I came down earlier um, to go to work. Mm-hmm. And then unfortunately for me, that job was postponed because Uh someone did not have a COVID vaccination. So someone involved in the video crew. So my job was pretty much to pretend to be a tourist. (sighs) Not much pretending because I haven't been to Port Lincoln. Uh, (laughs) um, Well, not... Not at an age that I can remember it. Anyway. Right. But anyway, I was going to go shark diving, and I right. thought, you know, Mike Tyson liked sharks. You know, it'd be good for my um, good for my mentality. Yeah. I'm scared of sharks. Are you? Yeah. I think it's a good reason to be scared of sharks. They're, yeah, they're, they're very large with very large teeth, yeah. and they generally do like to eat people. I mean, to be fair, we shouldn't be in the habitat. I agree with all of that. Right. But are they even so? In their habitat, or even if they were land sharks, mm. yes, I would yeah, still be scared the old, of them. The old land shark. Uh, <laughs> so we got to watch out for them. I they don't were. think many people know about the land no. sharks. Like people have heard of drop bears, but land sharks. I was going to drop bears as well. That was my mm. train of thought. I think I picked up mm. on you there. So yeah, the land shark and the drop mm. bears. If you're watching from the US, you've got to mm. definitely watch out for both of those things. They are real, and they will mm. eat you and your family. So mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think that land sharks are spoken about as wide as drop bears no, are. Not, not quite. What, yeah, so we what should are, probably what, tell the audience about yeah, the land ahead. sharks. Yeah, sure. Let's okay. hear the attributes of a, of a land shark. So the land shark derived from the great white shark. <laughs> it's a very dangerous animal because, as you can imagine, it's a shark, but it goes on the land. Right. Oh, have you seen Sharknado? I have not seen. Well, have you heard of Sharknado? I have heard of Sharknado. Yes, were they land sharks? They they became land sharks not through their own accord, ah, okay. but because of the tornado. It was a tornado filled with sharks, and <laughs> so is this a documentary <laughs> on land sharks? Oh, it's definitely a documentary <laughs> with you know Tara Reid and oh, yeah. uh, the guy from uh, Nine Hundred Two One Zero. You yeah. know all those like 
D-list actors. Yeah. They they yeah. got on board for a documentary that was scripted and um, okay. you know yeah. it was really bad. And they made about four sequels to it as well. Really? Yes, it was ridiculous. I didn't watch it. I saw the trailer. I was like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But you know, it is what it is. Well, I'm just surprised that you know I feel like there should be more awareness about land sharks. <laughs> in in Cairns, they're quite um, prolific. Ah. There's a large quantity of them living in Cairns. They like the tropics right. because it's the humidity. It's a bit like better because they're land sharks. They still need the water. So, uh, you know, it's a bit uh, easier to sunbake, you know, they can wear the sunglasses. It's, it it's is. that sort of environment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when they've I got mean, the time off, they'll go and lay on the beach. They will, they will. Yeah. I mean, they're quite good at, you know, just uh, pretending to be normal sharks right. too. But, yeah. yeah, there you go. Right. So, <laughs> The, the official sharks, the, the real, well, not the real, the, uh, the uh, original, original sharks. Yeah, the sharks. original, the, the, the less evolutionised. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, that trip mm-hmm. didn't go ahead. That's why you're here today. We managed to track you down and, and get you in studio finally. Yeah. I think we, we've been every month or two, it's like, oh, where are you? And you're like, I'm in New Zealand. Oh, I'm in here. I'm over here. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. It's like, what? how are you doing all these things? It's, it's, you are doing about 50 things at once, like I said at the start of the show. And the whole time, I've missed you guys. Oh, there you I've go. missed everybody here. That's it. Um, you're right. I've come back just today. Just yeah. landed here. Oh, that's quite large. That was good. That was you can, strong. As you can hear, my power that was has the, amplified. Uh, the boxer That was strength. the boxer strength. The, um, the training I've been doing this year has really paid off on the table. But... Mm. Um, you know what? Uh, it is Christmas time, and it is. Uh, unfortunately, Matt and Roman aren't able to join us today. But yes, uh, Matt, I, Matt, Matt is able to join you. But no, Dave, Dave. Wasn't when I said Matt, I meant Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're telling me your name is Matt and not Dave this yeah, whole time? The whole time. I thought you were Dave. It was. I am Dave when I have the beard, but yeah, I'm not when your I beard, don't. You took so the beard off. I did. I'm yeah. sorry, Dave. As you can see, uh, being a boxer has also <laughs> hurt my head. I, I've had issues with memory. Now I've got issues with saying things. Like, I'll, I actually will go to say something and I'll put a different word in. Okay. Yeah. Like shark? Like land yeah, shark? Yeah, like land shark. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. But nonetheless, I bought a Christmas present. Wow. Um, okay, cool. From my journeys. I'll, I'll happily accept uh, Dave and Roman's present. Well, here's the card. And eat them. I'll leave it here. <laughs> there we go. Oh, yeah. Okay. I to got the, the card. Combat crew. And uh, I got you this mango. Oh, uh, a mango. I was working on a mango farm. Okay. That was... <laughs> Part of my journey. This isn't actually a mango from my mango farm. Wow. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't I didn't have that opportunity to bring one here. Well, I did, but I, I may have eaten it. Um, <laughs> but this is just a mango I bought from the store to symbolise oh. that I think of you guys on my journey. And you think, I, of, think of us as mangoes. I'm thinking of you guys as mangoes all the time. We, so. Aren't we all mangoes in some way? We are, indeed. Like mangoes. <laughs> we bring joy to the world around us. There you go. All exactly. right. So we've got a mango. We've got a card. We're, uh, yes, uh, very festive today. So um, it's good to have you back. We do have a, an honorary oh. member's shirt here, the Daily Combat shirt, just for Izzy. You oh can tell it's, it's brand new because it won't unravel. Cause it's <laughs> <laughs> so there's, the, uh, there's the, the shirt we've got there. And, we've got and I'm on the back. There you go. Oh. Who's that? That's, oh my lord! I need to wear my hat when I wear the shirt. So that's people Matt. <laughs> that's Dave. <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. Let me let me just have this shirt for a second. Let me just show it to the camera. So I just want to confirm that that is Dave. That's me, and that's Matt. oh, that's Matt. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Great. Whenever I'm confused, I'm gonna look at this shirt. No, yeah, I'm just kidding. That's right. Well, the Thanks, names Dave. are on there too. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> No worries, Roman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the name Roman. Okay, sick. No, I love this. Yeah. 
Oh, that's all right, cool. We'll leave this here. Thank you so much. That's all right. Yeah, so Christmas is in a couple of days. You're all set and ready. You're going to be here in, or you're going over to Antarctica or something. Well, I've thought about it a few okay. times myself. Have right. you thought about going to Antarctica? I, I wouldn't mind going, just to say I've been. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I, I, I was listening to a podcast about a guy who was the very first person to walk solo from one side to the other. And he did it, uh, he was an American guy. Yeah. And he did it, and he was racing another dude at the same time. Like, they, they both... You have to race someone. Because right. I can tell you, walking that walking and running, I did run some of it. I swear to God I did. <laughs> um, that 70Ks, especially yeah. after... So, the pain set in mm. at 35Ks mm. was when things started to hurt. And then it was just downhill from there. Oh, yeah. I wish in both both sense of the terrain and how I felt, but unfortunately pretty much just how I felt. Um, and I think if I was racing someone, mm. oh, that would be amazing, just yeah. to have someone else there. Yeah. That whole time was just me. I wasn't listening to music, you yeah. know, nothing like that. I was oh. just like, just keep going. What, what was this thing you were doing? Why were you running 70Ks? So it was actually an SAS endurance fundraiser ah. for um, the special forces in Scotland. And okay. I just saw it um, come up as a... Challenge, and I thought, oh, that's the challenge was to do seventy kilometers in under twenty hours. Jesus, and I thought, well, that's pretty tempting. Yeah, uh, I got to give it a go. And then shark diving got postponed, and right. I thought, well, there's nothing else I'd rather do than uh, <laughs> a challenge of some sort. So I can do seventy kilometers. It was, it was actually harder than I anticipated because mm. I thought, you know, it wouldn't be painful in that sense. I don't, maybe that was a silly thought. Yeah, that's um, but yeah, no, I definitely felt uh, like that 35k mark mm. was hurting. What's quite funny for me is my pinky toes. Woo, are, like they went numb at the, like again around the 35k mark, right? Oh. And they're still numb today. And I couldn't <laughs> work out why until I decided to actually have a decent look yeah. yesterday. And I've got about so if my pinky toe is like you know this big. I've got double the width of my pinky toe in a blister form Ooh. surrounding both of my pinky toes that I just didn't notice because it's down the bottom, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's a, a large blister. Anyway, my point was, you know, that pain that came on and then, you know, I still had another 35Ks to go. <laughs> so this right. guy in Antarctica racing yeah. someone, that's yeah. pretty funny. It, like, was, it was a great listen yeah. because um, – he had a big sled of supplies. I can't remember how many days it took. Was his name Santa by any chance? Yeah, it was a big long beard. Yes. He was very jolly. Yes, uh, he had a lot of mangoes. <laughs> it's just a big sled or a sleigh, mm. if you like. Um, but yeah, so he got dropped off. There was a certain time of year that mm. was you know, optimal to be able to do mm. this challenge. Mm. Uh, and so that's why another guy was doing it at the same time and they were like in competition to be mm. the first person to do it. Mm. And it was like from, you know, the south southern point to the northern point, mm. like the, the furthest distance. And it was like a solo trip. You had to do it. No help, no, you know, mm. no resupply or whatever. Mm. Um, and so he got dropped off uh, with everything like on this sled. <laughs> uh, and, you know, yeah. uh, he said the first three hours were the worst of the entire thing because yeah. he couldn't move the sled because it was so heavy. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he'd yeah. been planning this thing yeah. for like a year. Yeah. Uh, and it was like he was he was pulling and pushing this thing, trying to get moving, and it was like, you know, he went a few metres or something, and he was like, I can't quit this early. Like, everyone, yeah. I've told everyone about this thing, of all the sponsors, everyone, oh my all my God. food, all my preparation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he used the satellite phone, called his wife, and she sort of gave him a bit of a pep talk or whatever. So she's like, just just take it easy tonight, you know, just camp tonight, get mm. get your headspace right, and then try again tomorrow. Um, 
And then because he was in competition with the other guy, who mm. I think was a German guy or something, uh, and but they couldn't see each other. They didn't know where they were in yeah. terms of how far they were ahead or not. Wait, uh, so were they starting at the opposite sides? No. Because that would have been really funny. Can yeah, you imagine no. when you saw the other person now <laughs> slightly ahead of you? You'd yeah. be like, oh, shit. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so they were both both started the same mm. side but couldn't see each other uh, and then, you know, obviously made the trip across uh, and I don't think he saw him the other guy at all the whole mm. time. Uh, but, yeah, you know, over the, the next few days or the next weeks that it took mm. him to get through it, um, because he had that, um, I don't know where the other guy is and I don't know if he's ahead of me or not, he would walk for like, you know, 30, 35 hours straight just to be like, I don't know where he is, if I'm ahead or not, i got to keep pushing, pushing, pushing. And then in like the last, I don't know, say 30Ks or something, he did it all in one go because it was, you know, he's like, well, screw it, I'm just going to get it done. Uh, and then, you know, he finished um, and then found out that he was the first and that he wow. had finished first. And then wow. so he waited for the other guy. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah, just to, you know... Make sure he was safe and mm. to say, ha ha, I, I beat you. No, not really. But <laughs> um, obviously, they've both been through something very, yeah, yeah, very difficult. Yeah. But he said one of the weird things. I don't know why we're getting onto this topic. But <laughs> no, it's interesting. I mean, here on the Daily Combat right, podcast, yeah. we're talking about all things <laughs> tough. And uh, I think these people face a different sort of combat. Yeah, that's because right. Because combat can be both a sport it's and a daily combat. Daily yeah. combat. You that's know, right. perhaps that's what we meant when someone right. who wasn't me came up with the name on the podcast. Yeah, that's right. The Daily Combat. The combat we each go through every day every to day. get out of bed. That is a That's battle. A it is a the battle. first battle of the day. For we all face battles. <laughs> we all face day. land sharks every land day. We <laughs> do in Australia, but the government has done an excellent job because you know Keeping what the government has done about land Tourism, sharks. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. Now we could it? get into a lot of trouble talking about this. Does it have to do with mangoes? <laughs> Unfortunately, not. <laughs> As a mango enthusiast, especially after picking mangoes, and I could tell you all about mango picking, and I would go on that topic and not stop. Okay. It's very interesting. There's even a trampoline machine involved, and I met the son of the creator of the very first trampoline machine. Wow. I know. Very interesting stuff. Wow. But I'm going to reveal something pretty dangerous, Matt. All right. I'm ready. I'm a bit worried about the government. They may shut down this podcast. They're, they're probably listening. Up. They're probably listening already, but they might not only shut down this podcast, okay. they might kill me. Oh, jeez. This is top, top secret stuff. <laughs> this is top secret. This is like next level security clearance. Okay. Secret, secret security. Yeah. Top secret, secret security clearance. All right. DEFCON 5. Here we this go. This is only a few people. Well, actually, you know. Most people could get to this conclusion. <laughs> so technically the security clearance isn't necessary. But I'm going to reveal something right, here, here we go. What, what's about the, the land sharks. Okay. You know why no one knows anything about land sharks? Why? It's because the Australian government has removed any scientific evidence of them from the museums, from Google search. Wow. Any online publications. Any it's been completely removed. So yeah. only on the secret internet can you find. On the dark web. The dark web, I believe, is what it's called. Right. Yeah. But now that you've revealed it all. But I'm, I'm revealing it right here because I tell you why. Because when I was working on my mango farm, <laughs> I saw the trail of a land shark mm. in, in amidst the mango trees. And I thought to myself, this is wrong. You know, this is wrong. <laughs> As a person 
with moral courage, it's time for me to speak up and talk about land sharks. Mm. Because mm. I don't want tourists coming here unaware of the fact that a shark could come on the land mm. and eat them. That's right. You know, these people, these people say crocodiles caught the people up in Townsville. Right. No, right. land sharks. It was. So you've yeah. got to be careful of land sharks. Okay. So I'm, just, I'm just saying it. It's a public safety warning. It's p- PSA, public safety announcement. Yep. Land, land sharks shark. in Australia. This is not a joke. <laughs> you heard it's it first. The, yeah, you heard it first here. Like, you know, the drop bears, they were, they, well, that was a mirage created to hide the oh, land sharks. It was a distraction. It was a distraction. Right. People thought, let's make up something funny about these cute koalas. Yeah. But nah. Oh, it's okay. based on fact. There you go. So Exclusive. Cool. You heard it here first. Exclusive. And, uh, yeah. and if you don't see me again on this podcast, <laughs> if I disappear what? suddenly. It's because you've gone Australian on SAS government. too, but yeah. <laughs> season, season, season four or whatever it is. Season four. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, I don't know if I'll uh, face that again. Well, hang on, let me, before we get onto that, I want to finish this Antarctica thing. Um, because one of the things that he said that was interesting, uh, which I thought was kind of cool, was because he's in the middle of basically nowhere, mm. you know, it, it's basically a desert. Mm. I mean, but he said that there is there is literally nothing alive there, like nothing. Like there's wow. no bugs, there's no flies, there's no insects, um, yeah. anything, because it is just ice and wind, and it was like eerie. It was an eerie thing to walk through and be walking through for hours and hours and days and days in that environment and not seeing anything moving or mm. anything out there at all. It's like well, it's really kind of creepy, you know. That would be. That would be. I would say. One of the mistakes I made was due to the distance I had to travel, um, I actually started my walk at my run. I swear I ran. <laughs> okay, okay, maybe I walked more than I ran, but I did run. Um, at least you got there, yeah. I got there. Um, it did take me 11 hours. Um, but I started at 2 p.m., mm-hmm. um, well, not including breaks. So it was around 11 hours, and I think it was 11 hours and 49 minutes and then the total time was exactly i finished at exactly 12 hours and 20 minutes wow. so i finished at 2 20 a.m on mm-hmm. the 22nd of december so oh. i thought that was oh. pretty cool yeah. yeah when i looked at my phone i was like oh that's perfect timing oh, nice um yeah but i will say that because i started later i had a long walk i had you know five hours walking in the dark and oh yeah there are places where there are no footpaths and no lights. Where, where was this that you were doing this? It's a mystery. It's an <laughs> undisclosed location. But what I will say is that there was this one point where I reached a highway. Okay. This is my version of being eerie in Antarctica because at least there were people uh, around yep, yep. in one aspect. But by God, there was just like, it was just pitch black, mm. a long stretch 2K of highway mm. with no footpath, no separation between the highway road and where I was walking. Mm. So I, I was like hugging like this bush line, but I'm like, I don't want to go too far into this terrain mm. and I don't want to go too far onto the road. So that 2K was amazing because that happened around the 50K mark. Oh, wow. And I had to, I ran it because I'm like, I'm going to die if I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was really good incentive to go faster because I kind of, I had a minimum, if I was walking, my minimum pace was going to be, uh, under 10 minutes per kilometre. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if I was running, I was just going as fast as I could. So yeah. I started with uh, about an hour of running. And then after that, I would run all the downhills, all the flats, and I would walk uphill because I felt that was a good way to conserve energy. And it, it was a pretty good technique, actually. Mm-hmm. 
And the funniest thing, like, you know, all of that was really difficult. And I had so many, I had about eight bottles of Powerade and water. Wow. Like, I thought I kept my hydration pretty well. Like, mm. I didn't feel dehydrated. Like, this, this, I finished yesterday at 2.20. And I feel, yeah. I feel pretty good, to yeah. be honest. I got yeah, heaps of like energy. It, when you said that you did yeah. it yesterday, I was like, what? Yeah, I got actually so much energy. And, um, and the funny thing is, I, I thought I'd weigh myself because I forgot to weigh myself before SAS uh, and after SAS. Yeah, and so yeah. many people have asked, like, how much weight do you lose? I wish I knew. Right. But I weighed myself before, I weighed myself after, and I lost exactly to the point two kilograms. Oh, okay. I was like, that's a lot of weight. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. But uh, if you're rehydrating the whole time, I guess, mm. you know, but yeah, that's, uh, it is, I mean, in one go. Yeah, I'm lose. like, it's not a, way, not a bad way to shred <laughs> yeah. anyone looking for tips to shred. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's like the, you know, the UFC fighters or, or people that are cutting weight mm. for, you know, certain, they're trying to combat yeah. sports. You know yeah. all about yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. You're a boxer. Let That's me right. tell you about boxing, uh, yeah, tell me Mrs. Some boxer. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what a great sport. Tell me yeah, more. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, probably the biggest weight cut I've heard of is uh, over the 20 kilo mark in terms of like in a 24 hour you know, or forty-eight hour window that these that guys are doing. Insane. Yeah, just ridiculous, completely stupid, and yeah, just sitting in the sauna, yeah, or you know, wrapping themselves in hot towels and then doing certain um, Epsom salt baths, you know, to draw yeah, out all the that fluid. Does work. Yeah, uh, and then you're seeing them like that's like they're going through hell. It's I mean, they're, they're literally dehydrated to the, you know to the yeah. brink of death. Yeah, and just trying to reach this weight. Uh, Dangerous. Oh, it's so ridiculous. That uh, stuff should be cut out. Anyway, go on. Yeah, I'm not a big fan at all of weight cutting in the slightest but yeah I, um with Tito Ortiz who's, who's proudly standing right here oh. on the table and here and not my over t-shirt there. <laughs> no <laughs> yeah exactly um so I remember he he would fight at light heavyweight which is 93 kilos uh, or 205 pounds and he weighed in on the day at 93 kilos and then he put a photo up that night at 113 kilos so in one, I think it was only like eight hours or something, he'd put on, what is that, 20 kilos back of, of fluid weight. <laughs> it does look pretty shredded. But what I don't understand about those weigh-ins technically is it like if you are weighing in the night before mm-hmm. and you're 90 kilos and then suddenly you're 110 the next day and you were 110 before the weight cut, yeah. what was the point? Oh, it's because you're sneaking yourself into a weight class that you shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sure then, you know, you're going into the cage uh, or into the, the boxing ring advantage. with a massive weight yeah. advantage over your or opponent. 20, yeah. But the, the funny thing is your opponent's doing the same thing. So you're actually yeah. fighting at – you're fighting somebody that's at the same weight as you, but you both have gone through this stupid weight-cutting thing, which is why it's like <laughs> – if they got rid of the, the weight cutting, it's like you'd still be fighting the same people. You just mm. move up a division. Mm. Like the division just gets renamed. Like don't put yourself through these uh, torturous experiences and ruin the fight. So many fights have been ruined because of yeah. a bad weight cut or the fight yeah. gets cancelled yeah. or you know, the fighter puts on a terrible performance because they, they dehydrated mm. themselves mm. so so mm. much mm. leading into the event. And it's like, just don't do it. Just go up a weight class. Or even like, even uh, what I find quite interesting is like amateur MMA athletes have been dying. Like yeah. We've got people dying because yeah. they don't know how to weight cut. And mm-hmm. let's say like, you know, if you are trying to do those things, you don't have proper supervision. Or even worse would be having supervision from a coach who doesn't know the right thing right. to do. That yeah. to me is even worse because you're putting a trust in someone. Right. Like I think that's a, an aspect of combat sports that, you know, there's been a lot of discussion on it, but we haven't really seen any action. No. Yeah. No. Like the, there's Not in the UFC. There have been some things that they've done. They've, they, they changed the rules so that uh, you couldn't get an IV like people used to 
you know, be fully dehydrated and then instantly go straight to the hospital and be, you know, injected with, with fluids and, you know, have three bags going at once or whatever to rehydrate themselves. But they made it so that you couldn't do that um, because there's like a, a certain plastic uh, element to the, the fluid that comes in and they can test for that. And so a few people got caught, um, you know, rehydrating. <laughs> How do you rehydrate? <laughs> you know, uh, But it was in a, an attempt to, to stop the, the weight cutting from... Yeah, it's yeah. insane. But uh, the only effective thing I've seen was a uh, World Series of Fighting and they brought in a no dehydration rule. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so say the fight was on Saturday, they would test you on Tuesday and if you were dehydrated, you weren't allowed to fight. They would test you Wednesday, they would test you Thursday, Friday. And, you know, before you went on the scale, they would test you again, like see where your hydration levels are. If it were too low and you were dehydrated, you're not allowed to fight. That's smart. That's yeah. a good That's a good way to do it. Exactly. That's a good way to do it. So that way there's, there's literally no way around it in terms of, you know, trying to, um, you know, get the fluid out of your body to step onto the scale and then rehydrate again because it's like, okay, fluid's out of the body, yeah, test it. Oh, you're dehydrated, you can't fight. So, mm. but... I think they are not around anymore. World Series of Fighting. So, yeah, disappointing. Disappointing. It is. Yeah. Disappointing indeed. But yeah, yeah no, it's pretty interesting because I was actually considering that when I don't. It was before I weighed myself. I think yeah, it was when I was still doing the walk. I was like, I wonder if this is a decent way to, you know, can you imagine? Can you imagine what I was imagining is? Imagine if you have like a world title fight, this huge fight, and you're able to go to that fight. And you can say, oh, yeah, like last week I walked 100 kilometres. Like yeah. that's just how you shred. Yeah. Like, because, <laughs> yeah, as I said, like afterwards I felt pretty – like I, I just feel like I've had a hard training session. Right. But I don't feel like as uh, – well, I was going to say fucked. <laughs> I have you to say a different like. word. Um, as uh, wrecked as I would assume. Right. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what that is. I think it was just the maybe just the water I drank. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of water, uh, today <laughs> is water sponsor. We got a different water sponsor today. We have uh, the Day Tripper, uh, the brand which appears to be Frontel. I've never heard. I mean, oh. I have heard of them. It's your favorite. <laughs> My favorite. Favorite uh, water brand. But they, I haven't quite sampled the water yet. But they are willing. You know, they they if they prove. Their goodness. Their worthiness. Their worthiness. Then I will remember their name. Would you like to sample the water now? Oh. Well. <laughs> the water is literally jumping off the table. <laughs> this to... one's not infused with the wildfires of, oh, my God. <laughs> not, I'm not going to spit this water out on the beautiful UFC encyclopedia. <laughs> I tell you what, this water may not be infused with the wild flower. Right. Thank you for remembering, Matt. It's so good that you can't even keep it in your mouth. It's just—it's yeah. so good it jumps out your mouth. <laughs> oh, what I will say bursting about this with water, flavor. Bursting. No. Well, actually, on the contrary, <laughs> in comparison to the other water that was infused <laughs> with the f- scent of uh, wild flowers, I think it Indeed, was. Indeed, as yeah. opposed to that water, this one is quite plain, but oh. in a good way. It tastes just like pure. It tastes a bit like pure tap. Oh, yeah. But like less of that pure tap crispness. I would say this is quite a smooth water. Smooth. Very smooth. Smooth on the palate. This is very smooth water. <laughs> uh, this is, I would pair this water with something like crackers and cheese. And and spitting on a table. <laughs> Nobody saw that. That's awesome. Oh, that's I great. will now clean up the uh, Frontel water. But fr- look, Frontel, I, I'm quite impressed by the first sip. So if you're willing to sponsor a podcast. And what a sip that was. It was a great sip. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So. Thank you for listening to the. Ad, right. That was the advertisement break. Right. Yeah. Uh, then so we return from the advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> the seventy k walk run. Yes. And then you didn't just go and. Well, actually, rest. look, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to quote you there. I believe it was a run walk, not ah, a walk well, run, because oh. I began with running. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. That's sorry. fine. That's fine. It was seventy. Seventy k's of anything is enough. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then it was a rest. Of a few hours, and then yeah, uh, and then Gosh. what happened after that? Then I drove about an hour, which wasn't anywhere near. It was about a third of the distance I'd. All right, walked, you just run, ran. <laughs> <laughs> travelled on foot at high speed. <laughs> there needs to be an in between word. There needs to be a word. I'm dead serious about this. There needs to be sauntered. A- so, <laughs> Canted. I was definitely sauntering when it was no. midnight and there was like no one around. So I disguised myself as a man <laughs> and it was very effective because I had oh. people actually like the first thing, like l- legitimately one block after I did my hair up in my hat and I'm walking like this, this woman sees me and she specifically walks out wow. my way and I'm like, damn, I'm good. You're like, yeah, yes. that's a I'm like, yeah. It's working. It's working. <laughs> Master of so disguise. That was, that was a saunter. I would describe that as a okay. saunter. But I believe as an athlete, as athletes, we need to find a word for when you have a workout that is both a walk and a run. <laughs> you know, it's not a jog. You don't average it out as a jog. It's like I was running and I was walking. There's got to be a word for that, like mm. a rock. A rock. I rocked. <laughs> I don't like that. It sounds a bit like balk. Yeah. You know, I didn't balk. I had nothing. Today's homework assignment. Today, so no, on. come on, we can do it. We can do it here. <laughs> walked around. A, a Mickey Rock? <laughs> a Mickey Rock there. I went no. for a Mickey Rock. I went for a Mickey Rock. That's I don't good. know. I like that. You Mickey know who Mickey Rock is? He's no, a boxer. Don't. You don't? Like, He's a boxer. Oh my, my God. I'm, a sh- I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> He's a boxer. I'm and ashamed an actor. of myself. I need to learn about him. Well, oh, he. Well, let me tell you about Mickey you, Rock. Yeah, let's learn about Today, we're going to learn about Mickey Rock. That's right. Insert a picture of Mickey Rock right here. Here we go. Yeah, so Mickey Rock, famous Hollywood actor. Famous. And he was a uh, very handsome, a um, little bit eccentric oh, guy. Oh, he sounds cool. Yeah. He's cool. <laughs> he was uh, starring as uh, the lead in a few romantic movies. Oh, he movies. was, so he's yeah. dead. No, he's, he's still alive. Oh. Yeah, oh. so he was, but this is, this is what I said, was. So he was doing really well in Hollywood. His dream was always to be a boxer. So he gave up Hollywood and went and did boxing. Oh. But problem was, in boxing, he got his face punched in <laughs> so wow. he uh he did all right i think he was um like three and three or something like that yeah. uh but he ended up getting a lot of plastic surgery and he didn't oh, look no. sort of anything like he used to look uh oh. yeah but he did make a bit of a comeback uh mm-hmm. he was very bitter towards the entertainment industry for a long time and i think they had a big falling out with you know he, he hated the, the the whole side of it yeah. but um eventually he he sort of Turned it around, and he started in the the wrestler movie. Um, so, which was uh, nominated for best picture. Oh, uh, yeah. So, which was about um, Randy the Ram and the fantastic Ram. film. Uh, who was a wrestler, and he did a lot of the the stunts of the movie himself, and it gave a sort of an inside look into the. Mm. Uh, he was in the movie. He was a, a retired star, like. Mm. He'd risen to his peak as a mm. legitimate wrestler, sort of, you know, your um, John Cena's or, mm. or that sort of thing. Yeah. He was at that level in the 80s mm. and then it had dropped away and he was still trying to capture that mm. fame, mm. Uh, which was the story of the film. And in a way, it was a, a similarity to his life. So mm. uh, there was a lot of sort of realism in the character that he played there, mm. uh, which was why it was such a great film. Mm. 
but yeah, so Mickey Rourke, boxer, and uh, he's an interesting guy, very, very charismatic and eccentric, has some, some interesting things. I'm so maybe Google him. Yeah, there I'm you go. Him. But you would, yeah, if you don't, if you haven't seen The Wrestler, I would highly recommend it. I'm not it's, sure if I've seen it. I don't think okay. I have. Yeah, yeah. I have. very, very good film, and and really highlights. When people have that really high crescendo in their life early, mm. and they, you know, they hit a certain point mm. and they're on top of the world, yeah, and then yeah. nothing else in their life is ever going to get them back there, yeah, yeah. And you can see it with a lot of people, like athletes or mm. actors or people that you know, especially if they find fame young, uh, and they can't reach that same level, they go into a spiral of a depressive episode because it's like. Nothing's ever going to get you back to that point. Mm. Uh, in those terms, in terms of you know, if you're relying on outside factors of uh, to justify your existence, if you care about other people's opinion and val- and that other people's thoughts and opinions of you validate who you are, uh, then you know it's a recipe for disaster, really, mm. because mm. it's you have to have the, the true strength from Absolutely. from within. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the people that succeed and go on, regardless as to their achievements and failures mm. you know they're the ones that were never doing it for fame and fortune absolutely that's that's yeah. a big thing especially i'd say with young athletes like even people i've seen around my age mm-hmm. um i'd say actually something i was talking to one of my friends about was i remember at school i was never given any recognition for pretty much anything wow. and yeah which is fine because you don't need that, right? Okay. But I just remember like how much I would have loved like a sports award, yeah. right? And I, I would have loved like, you know, like I did, I was really heavily involved in rowing. Mm. I love rowing mm. and I loved it so much. I did six years of, um, I did uh, five seasons of or four seasons of coxing oh, yeah. and then my last season I was rowing and... I just uh, – they had, like, a service award, which I'd always look forward to because I saw it every year in assembly for the senior rowers. They gave an award that was, like, you know, service to rowing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you got it only – you only got the specific one if you'd done it for as long as you could and the maximum amount of time was six years. So I knew right. that one day I would earn that. And then it came to the, the award ceremony mm-hmm. and they just didn't call out my name. And I was like, oh, okay. And the PE teacher pulled me aside afterwards and she goes, oh, I knew you'd be upset about this. Oh, gee, really? She goes, I knew, I'm, I'm sorry, I knew, I knew you'd be upset that um, you didn't get an award. <laughs> and I didn't even say anything. I just went up to her like, oh, hey, did you forget me or something? Mm, I was wondering mm. why I didn't get one. <laughs> She's yeah. like, I knew you'd be upset about this. I'm like, well, I mean, I'm a bit disappointed, but I don't know about upset. She goes, oh, it, you, you couldn't classify for the criteria. It was very specific because you were coxing for this amount of time and you had to be, you know, rowing for this amount of time. But there, but there were coxes that got it. Like there mm. was, you know, there was no reason mm. and i just remember like at that point i was upset <laughs> admittedly I, I did get upset about it but i just remember thinking like you know i would have loved that but at this point in my life i can say the reason that i'm still doing sport full time at 25 mm-hmm. is because i never had any any i had never had anyone in my life mm be like, well done, you're training like real hard. You know, I never had a coach um, between before I hit, say, I have, I, when I was doing canoeing, I had a few coaches say it once or twice, but I never had a consistent person aside from Chief, my main strength and conditioning coach, who's been with me for the last six years Mm. and 
someone I'd love to get on the podcast yeah. one day. Cool. Um, Chief, yeah. Um, you know, I didn't have someone telling me those things. I'm so fucking happy that I didn't because yeah. I can say all of those people who were getting those awards at school, none of them did sport after school. Mm. None of them – and they were, had such talent. Mm. They were much more talented than me. They mm. were much more physically, you know, talented. They had everything much better than me. But – None of them continued. And right. whether that was because of getting that recognition early. So I find it a really interesting topic because yeah. I know also a lot of people who had no recognition in any way who just work, you know, work, 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 work. Could, because for me, the recognition, I guess, is for myself. So mm. doing that 70K walk, I didn't have any supporters. I didn't have any support crew. I didn't have anyone giving me water. But, you know, it was just me and myself and getting to the end and thinking, oh, shit, yeah, I just did that. Fuck, that was hard. You yeah, know? absolutely. So I see. I think that burnout we see does come from people who've gotten used to the external validation. Yep. And as you've mentioned, like for people even of my generation and those younger, like I feel very, uh, you know, sometimes I think about those coming into the world like uh, the Z, I think they're called, <laughs> to my generation Zers, like, you know, just <laughs> – Growing up in an atmosphere where it's how many likes do I have? How many followers do I have? How many TikTok? You know, like I feel bad about that mm. because, you know, I, at least we escaped that, but I've never had that that issue. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it, that people will, will regard their value based on the opinions of others mm. and it should be the opposite. It's like Absolutely, your opinion yeah. of yourself is what's most important mm. because if, like, you know, yesterday there would have been moments during that, challenge that you would have been like i'm gonna quit um yeah there was there was the one specific moment i was like oh this is hard it was actually around the 52 (laughs) the 50 the the late 50s to the 60s and the early 60s were the hardest oh yeah absolutely from 50 from 53k to 66k i'd say was the hardest but go on yeah that was the period of time when i was like fuck yeah but yeah go on well that's that's what's so important is to to have that Mm. difficulty where your body is saying like, you know, we're exhausted, can't keep going, we're going to stop, what are you doing? Like this, you know, this, we're in pain. Uh, and then, you know, your mind in, you've got, I always have the two voices going and mm. one's going, oh, maybe. Yeah, we, we talked about this, yeah, your voices right. yeah, going. Yeah, so yeah. one's going, oh, maybe, you know, we did 52, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, trying to talk yeah, you into yeah, yeah, yeah. quitting. And yeah. then it's like, but if you've got that steely resolve of, screw you, yeah, I am going yeah, to get yeah, this yeah. no matter what. Yeah, my yeah. legs can fall off. I will get this number and I will hit that. And then it's like it only comes through that self-discipline. And it's like when you hit that 70, you would have been like, I, you, you to yourself, you wanted to quit the whole time, didn't you? You wanted me to quit. And look, we still got there. You yeah. were saying we couldn't do it. Look at this. Yeah. We're, we're here. Like 70, yeah. you, you know. So your opinion means nothing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just... just you know, and doing that over challenges and regularly and, you know, building that discipline is where you'll find the strongest people because it's like, I don't need your validation to achieve something. I have it from within. Uh, and so with regardless as to what you're doing, whether it's a sport or whether it's, you know, trying to complete a project or start a business or whatever, you're going to face those challenges and those adversity moments where it's like you're going to feel like I can't do it. Mm. I feel like I want to quit. And those are the moments where you have to turn it around and be like, it doesn't matter how much you throw at me, I'm just going to keep going. And it doesn't come from a support crew. It doesn't come from your family. It doesn't come from your friends that have, you know, come to see you or any of that stuff. If you're doing it for them, you will lose. You will quit. 
because you're doing it for them. You're doing it for the accolades. You're doing it for the belt. You're doing it for the title. It's none of that. It's for you. It has to be for you. If you don't do it for you first, you you won't get there. And even if you do get there, it won't mean as much to you. And you know, if you've put all your value into having the world championship, and then if you lose the world championship, then you you lose your identity in a way. You saw that with Ronda Rousey when mm. you know she she lost the the title, and then just sort of uh, in a way spiraled downwards very quickly mm. because she had wrapped herself into I am the world champion and that is who I am and if I am not world champion then I am nothing so to lose that title you know to to, to have it so black and white was uh it was in a way it was like a surprise to see how fast mm. it sort of turned around for her mm. um but in terms of mentality for athletes for for anybody that's doing anything you know you're always going to face challenges and mm. the, the pattern is always the ups and the downs you're mm-hmm. going to have great moments and you're going to have sh- bad moments and it's like though you have to have the bad moments to appreciate the up moments because everything's going great the whole time you won't appreciate it because if you succeed at all time like everything you do you always win it's not a challenge anymore and it becomes boring and it's like yeah but i, I didn't even have to put effort in and i yeah. want and that's the problem with you know, the, this pattern mm. of rewarding people for not doing anything. Mm. And that, that's such a, a mistake. It's like if you mm. win the race because you put in effort and you because you worked the hardest, you should get a reward. If mm. you did nothing and didn't try at all, you don't get anything. That's how the world works. Mm. And it has to work that way. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think recognition for effort is important. And somebody just saying, like, if you're in a job and – you know, say you're, you're doing what you need to do or if you went above and beyond for, for something, if uh, for a leader or a manager to just just to say, oh, well done, mate, that was yeah. great, like good stuff, you yeah. know, that's enough to keep that person going. It's a huge thing which I think in – and I've noticed this again, luckily for me, through sport, being able to travel. And I would say in Australia we don't give as much recognition in that form. Mm-hmm. I've been reading a lot of books on leadership at the moment and almost all of them – have included in some way just giving giving respect but recognition mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to people who who are in organizations like that's more organizational leadership mm-hmm. but for me i mean how would i implement that both as a coach and as a teammate just you know if someone's done an extraordinary effort or if someone's you know cleaned up a boat or you know done something like that like thank you like well yeah. done like thanks for doing this like yeah. And it's interesting because, again, as what I would say is I've noticed as a generalisation, like those team atmospheres in America, it really is like that. Or in New Zealand where I was just training, which was amazing. It was just so much like, oh, you know, good effort. You did a good job. Good, yeah. good, good. Yeah. And there's so much study. What I found interesting, again, is that study that kind of shows positive feedback in a coaching sense or in general mm-hmm. does deliver better results than that old school, like, you piece of shit, mm-hmm. you're a mm-hmm. shit fuck this and it's funny because in my old sport canoeing I've now heard multiple stories about different coaches kind of having that school Mm. and that's why we've had such a dropout like that that sport of canoeing in Australia is so small Mm. because only a few you know um, have continued and so I find that really interesting Mm. because perhaps with that positive feedback we would see more retention in that sport but also we would see more success in other sports in general yeah exactly Exactly. Like, so for example, like the boxing, for me going into a boxing gym, boxing mm. is a sport where, as a generalization, in my experiences, it's been so positive. Yeah. 
you know, every boxing, every combat gym you go to, arm wrestling. Yeah. So positive. And that's, again, something I love about combat sports because people don't have any reason not to just be like, right. you know, good work. Like, hey, this is what you're doing. This is what you're doing. And there's toughness is always required yeah. because just – but being positive, I think, is they're separate things. Mm-hmm. And I think today perhaps some people make that mistake of to be a good coach, I have to be rude. But there's right. a difference, you know. Yeah. Like, are you – always deliver positive feedback absolutely you know yeah, yeah for sure i think it depends as well on what your say you're a coach of a fighter or something mm. and and trying to build that relationship as to what what do they respond best mm, to and, and if they respond really well to positivity mm. then that's what i'll be you know following mm. through but in certain moments and you can see this through you know i think there's clips on youtube of like best cornering moments or, or mm. whatever oh cornering is a different beast <laughs> absolutely different beast god i'd love to be a corner woman. yeah absolutely yeah. and some of the things that they will say to their athlete to put them in the right mm. frame of mind and it can be very oh, negative yeah. or very aggressive yeah, yeah. but it's yeah. like this is what this person needs to hear at yeah, this point in absolutely, time yeah. um, because i know and i have a relationship with this person i know that they will respond to this whereas if i just go oh, you're doing well mate keep going and they're not doing well then that's a failure as me as a, as a coach or as a leader um but yeah it, it, that positivity is so important uh and as you said with with sports and especially with combat sports you mm. know it, I, and i think the main reason is that you, you are constantly humbled mm, yeah <laughs> you can't absolutely. you can't think that you're awesome when you're, yeah. you're getting your ass kicked yep. all the time yep and it's like you know say with arm wrestling it's like i've lost say a million arm wrestles mm. and it's like to win a hundred yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like somebody comes in i'm not gonna be like oh yeah i'm really good it's like but you lost a million times yeah. you can't say you're good yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah it is that sort of uh, mindset or that psychology that comes into it but in terms of yeah people's everyday life just i've seen it with you know just somebody goes oh that was well done you know good good stuff and it mm. can change like somebody's compl- like their whole attitude mm. towards the workplace or anything or if and the failure to recognize effort mm. or good work is such a, a mistake and you know it is a, a real management skill to have to be able mm. to say I appreciate my employees mm. uh, and I appreciate the efforts that they're making and I'm going to recognise it. Mm. And it's it, – because some, some places, you know, I will give you a bonus, we'll give you this, mm. but it's not the same as like, hey, I recognise you did this specific thing mm. and I think that was really cool and then mm. highlighting it. Mm. It doesn't have to be over the top. Just a, well done, that was good, mm. is enough, you know. Mm. And if you're getting that, you feel like your efforts are validated. Mm. And if you're validating people's efforts, they're more likely to continue with those efforts. Mm. Whereas if you keep ignoring good work, that good work will start to dissipate and it, people will yeah, stop so doing it. Because yeah. they're like, there's no point. There's no yeah. point working hard because yeah. no one cares. <sighs> Such a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just really interesting because I wonder, like, I think it's, it's almost like, yes, it's a cultural thing too. Mm-hmm. There's nothing I wish we'd say a bit more of it. And I think if, I think, we will be seeing more of it because I think people will appreciate that it is something that delivers results mm-hmm. as well as something that's, like, positive in general. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fun, like, at the gym um, that I'm working at, you know, where people come through and they have been consistent and they're getting results. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll sort of mention it, you know, maybe they've been there for a year or six months or something and I'm like, you're doing really well. Like, you, you're... Um, 
you know, you're getting a lot of results and, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, and they, you can see that they, they really appreciate That's that somebody's awesome. actually noticed. Yeah. Well, no one else has said anything. Yeah. And it's like, hey, you're doing great. Like, I can see you're getting, like, you know, stronger or you look like you're a lot fitter or, or whatever. And regardless as to who they are, if they, I say it legitimately. I'm not just going to say it to anyone who hasn't done anything. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's like, hey, you're doing awesome. Like, what, what are you doing? I have you... Have you what are your numbers or what are you, you know, and they're like, oh, you know, and they can see that they're yeah, like, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, that yeah. little nice little yeah. kickback of positivity. Yeah. And then you can see the next like week or two, yeah. the little uptick in sort yeah. of their motivation. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, there's recognition for, for effort. And it's so important. But just, yeah. Yeah. Like, no, it's funny. I can tell you from the opposite side of that story too. Uh, so I remember one of the gyms I went to, one of the guys uh, who, who was working there saying, I really admire your commitment. Like you've wow. come in, like you're you're really committed. Like I mean, to me, that's just what I got to do for my sport. Of mm. course, I'm going to train. You know, five six days a week. That's like a minimum standard. Mm. Minimum standard. But I guess most of the people who go to that gym were recreational or just yep. as a hobby or just for fun. Yeah. Um. Just to he- or health or whatever. Mm. And um. So you're saying you know like commitment. I forgot what else he said, but it's funny you say that because this is from the other side from someone receiving that compliment. Mm. You know, it was it was just like whoa, someone some whoa. Someone yeah. said something nice yeah. about someone's my commitment too. It was like a really nice specific compliment. Oh, it wasn't cool. like, you know, like you come in here, you know, good job or, you know, you train hard. It was like, well, he did. I think he did say that. But like your, uh, what's that word? Consistent commitment mm-hmm. is impressive. Like, you know, that's impressive. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. You know, and it did make my day. It made my whole week to think yeah. that because it was like a coach. <laughs> yeah, it was like a coach saying that. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah, it was really nice. That's great. I, I love that. I love seeing it in people when, you know, they, they get that little like, oh, I'm doing good. Yeah. Like, I, I love it. And yeah. it is weird because it's rare, you know. Um, I like training with other people mm. um, and I love to give people like, oh, you did awesome. That was great. You know, the whole way through the workout because it's like, I made people work to like the extreme and uh but they will push themselves to the limit and it's like I that was awesome. Like you mm. you you really pushed hard and you got there mm. and you didn't think you could and you wanted to quit at ten reps and we you did twenty five, you know, or whatever it was and it was like, you know, to to sort of have those sort of sessions mm. and then be doing that multiple times a week, mm. it's like everything else in your world that comes up as a challenge. It's like, well, this is nothing compared to what I did this morning, you know, like mm. a more 70 K uh, run. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, this, this challenge that I'm facing is, is absolutely nothing compared to the things that I have been through. So, you know, I know I can get through this and I know that even if it's difficult, that whatever the result is, if I put in hundred percent effort, I, I will get a good result. Mm. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's nice to see that there is, yeah, that you've had, uh, positive feedback come your way thank you thank you yeah <laughs> no nah, it's definitely a it's a big thing mm. has anyone said anything about like your say with sas or with um uh the recent stuff that you've been doing like your boxing or your rapping or when people say hey i listened to your song and it was you know it really hit me or it was mm. i really thought it was well structured or you know if they give you that specific if that not if they just go oh yeah it was good it's like hey this lyric here or this this line or this beat like i thought you picked it really well uh, you know, that have you had those moments happen as well? Yeah, I would say it's always like a for me it definitely is something which is more on the rare occasions. Mm-hmm. So I am mostly self driven. Mm-hmm. When I do get those comments, it's so nice. 
the biggest one I would say that I got was actually doing that 70K event. Oh, okay. I received so many messages. Wow. That was so – I was blown away by the quantity of people that were sending me these really nice, funny funny and supportive messages. Like I remember at one moment I – because I had my phone mostly on aeroplane mode to conserve energy. Um, but at one point I remember I replied to a few of my friends and almost all of my friends sent back the same response, which was stop typing and keep running. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was so nice. Like when I do get those comments, especially as you said, when they're specific, like um, one of my tracks that I did for a – um, a guy in Africa, his, uh, was, I wrote the intro and the outro. I was commissioned to write the intro and the outro to his album. Mm-hmm. The intro is some, also the outro. No, the outro is something I'm really proud of because I literally got to write down in this song because the track was just perfect for it. I wrote down everything that I would want the whole world to hear if the world was listening. That's wow. everything in this. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much everything. I got everything in there, every single message, every single message that I would want wow. the world to, to hear. Okay. Yeah, and I put it up on my sports Instagram because I usually keep things, you know, separate. But mm-hmm. I put it up on my sports Instagram before SAS because I thought, you know, I might have some more. And I did get a fair bit more traffic onto my page. Mm-hmm. So why not, you know, use this so people can hear the message that yeah. I do want to share. Yeah. And uh, I got a lot of comments that were like, you know, this is, yeah, pretty much, as you said, specific, like, I have to get my phone out to read them. But, you know, just like, you know, this is these messages, like the lyricism. And mm. that's what I've always wanted to focus on because my favourite artists focus on lyricism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so I got a few positive things about, you know, like these lyrics are, you know, this isn't just, this isn't just, you know, some sort of, what do they call it, WAP or some sort of, you know, like right. crap. <laughs> Sorry right. about my language. But, you know, some yeah. sort of like, you know, you know, you can easily rap about, Crap. <laughs> right, you could make up, yeah. Well, yeah I don't know if that's making sense. What I'm trying to say is, like, especially hip-hop has had, unfortunately, some notoriety, <laughs> like, you know, you know, kind of being about, you know, A lot crap. of nothing, yeah. Take you your know, shirt off. A specifically yeah. hip, but specifically hip-hop has faced that, right? Because right? yeah. you wouldn't really say, like, you know, country music or country music. Let's not, let's not go down this alleyway. What I'm saying... <laughs> We'll steer back to uh, Let's steer back your, to what I'm your, saying. What uh, I'm saying is, thank you, is, yeah. uh, you know, most, yes, there's some generalizations made about rap music. So to actually be about what the original hip hop's about, which is mm. sharing stories and sharing specific messages, yeah. that is some, a compliment I take to my heart. Mm. So I was very grateful for that. Uh, in terms of SAS, yes, because it's my first time now. I've just, just arrived back. Mm. Um, it's my first time seeing people since the show oh, has aired. Right. Since it, I've been able to talk about it, and yeah, um, yeah I've had so many. Conversations. Uh, I can tell you the best story. When I was working in Townsville, I went and did my firearms course. So okay. soon, I will have my gun license. Ooh, watch out! Yeah, so I'll bring. Oh no, I don't think I can bring my guns in. Yeah. <laughs> you'll we'll lose do, your we'll firearms. Do, yes, I'll lose it, so just as as I got it. Yeah. Um, but maybe we can do a, a shot down at the range. Oh, That'd cool. be so much fun. I love yeah. shooting. Anyway. Um, and there was this cute couple, they were so cute, they were in their like 50s and they were learning too and when they were learning how to use the shotgun they were like, you know, edging each other on and they're like, oh honey, like I'm going to shoot better than you and like, you know, I'm the better shooter, that sort of thing, that was so cute. (laughs) Oh cool. And I was looking at them like, oh my gosh, girls. Anyway, um, I thought they were really funny and the guy, um, he was giving everyone chewing gum, he's like, this is an old shooter's trick to like. Because it kind oh, of calm almost, yourself almost down. calms yourself down, I'd okay. say. But also to me, like when I was when I shot a handgun for the first time, 
Yeah, I would say just kind of like, yeah, just get to me. I think it's more about the mood of it. You know, you feel like you're in a Western movie chewing some gum, you know, some tobacco. You're like, yeah, yeah, it's like a piece of straw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I'm just chewing this. I got my cap on, my sunnies on, and I'm like, yeah, let's roll, motherfuckers. Anyway, long story short, you go from the range to complete theory at the firearms store, mm-hmm. and they're like, um, I was like, well, actually, no, they didn't offer me a lift. I, I had to ask because <laughs> right. I didn't have a car up there. So I'm like, oh, excuse me, can I please have a lift with you guys? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, sure, hop, yeah, hop on in. And I'm driving, and um, the father, the father, thinks. Funnily enough, I do believe his name was Dave. Oh, I've got it okay. written down somewhere. I wrote down their names. Anyway, uh, Dave. We'll call him Dave for today. Just like in my name Dave's- is not. <laughs> Matt, I'm sorry. <laughs> Public fine. apology. I feel terrible. That's I know fine. your name is Matt, obviously. Oh, that's fine. I'm only playing around. No, that's all okay, good. <laughs> I get emotional about these things. Anyway, um, and, and I'm talking to this guy, and he's an army veteran. And I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. Let's talk about this. So uh, finding out more about his career, about his life. And then I'm like, and then he started talking about, like, you know, the obviously the challenges and all that. And I'm like... I know exactly, you know, how that how that feels, how that could feel. Like I did a mock SAS selection course. Yeah. And that's how I usually describe it to people. Like mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to say it in any other way. I'm like, well, I just did like a mock it was a mock SAS selection. Yeah, that's what well, it was. Yeah, that's what it was. You know what I'm saying? I don't want like bringing up anything else. And then he's like, um, was that on TV by any chance? And I was like, oh, no. And I'm like, well, funny you say that. Like, this is legit the conversation. So, you know, the mum's gone to the back, which was quite funny. Oh, I wish I could remember her name off the top of my head. Um, but she was uh, she was actually, yeah, she uh, volunteered to take the middle seat because they were, she had, they've got grandkids. Oh, yeah. Um, so that was pretty funny because she's like, you know, for me in my family, it's the oldest always sits in the front. So I felt... Like, you know, mm. she needed to be in the in that seat and I deserve to be there. But right. she took that and I was like, that's right. I'll say anyway, I'm talking to him. She's behind me here. And uh, and I was like, yeah, it was on TV. I was like, I was in the civilian series and I had cornrows in because the production asked me to have cornrows. And like, I had cornrows in. And then she just like, she's like sitting at the back. She like jumps out the front. She's like, you're the little chick. Uh. She's like, you were the little chick. And uh. she's like, Dave, it's the little chick. And she said, we were cheering you on. Oh, awesome. Like you just had so much guts. Like yeah. we were so proud of you. You wow. wouldn't give up. And I could not believe at that moment, I was, I was blown away. I was so blown away. I'm like, I got to get my phone. I'm like, can you please say that again on camera? <laughs> I could not believe. That yeah. I had this beautiful family. Right. And, you know, the, as I said, they've got children and grandchildren <laughs> who would watch the TV yeah, yeah, yeah. and cheer me on. Oh, that's amazing. And she said, it is amazing. <laughs> I was blown away by the fact that these strangers, you know, they, these are these are strangers, completely yeah. unbiased people. Yeah. Who so, and that's the best feedback you yeah, can have. Absolutely. You know, it's not it's not like your friend or your family or your enemy. You know, it's, mm. it's none of those people. It's no one who knows you. Yeah. And to have her, she said, you know, you were the shortest one left. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she said she loved that because she was short too. She said she loved that, and just just the fact that I wouldn't give up. Yeah. She thought she said they were just yelling at the. She said they were yelling at the TV. Uh, go little chick, go. go little so chick. I was the little <laughs> chick. Yeah, was which great. is which is really funny, and I just. That blew me away. So in terms of feedback about SAS, yeah, that was that was the one I'm definitely not going to forget that ever. That was the, to me, like by day two of the experience, I was really not living it as a TV show mm-hmm. in that we were given microphones. I couldn't stand the microphones because, you know, for example, they'd get wet mm. and it was freezing uh. and you'd be getting into your dry kit. I would be the one to take off my microphone and hang it up. 
when you weren't meant to do that, you were meant to wear your microphone 24-7. So yeah. I got into trouble. <laughs> Obviously, next time I'd be more aware of the TV and and what's real and what's not. Right. I, I went into that and I just I was just so full on, like, this is real. I've, I forgot about the, the TV aspect of it. Mm. And uh, in saying that, now finishing it up, to have that, you know, that moment was when I was like, okay, that's the, you know, that's the TV aspect of it. You know, the fact that you've got these people so invested in the TV, yeah. the, the beautiful, the entertainment of it. Mm-hmm. I was so, so not flattered, isn't right, I was really touched yeah. and yeah, humbled and honoured to think <laughs> that some people, yeah, really, that's the most humbling thing in my life. I wow. can't believe, yeah, I really can't believe that. They said that. Like, oh, you know, imagine so cool. just meeting some random. Yeah. Not some random, but imagine meeting other people. Right. You've never met before. You don't know them. Mm. And they just said to you, I've been cheering you on. Like, yeah. you amaze me. Like, yeah. your determination, your grit. Like, imagine someone just saying, just saying that. Like, mm. that they could still see that through the TV, through everything. That, mm. Yeah, that was uh, absolutely the, <laughs> probably, yeah, one of the highlights oh, of, of awesome. SAS. So it was just that, that feedback. Yeah. Oh, that, that's that's really nice to hear that mm. people were like, you know, appreciating your efforts yeah. and then they could see that, you know, you were giving it everything yeah. and it was like, we wanted you yeah. to succeed yeah. because you were trying so hard. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. It sounds like you were a, a bit of an inspiration to people. Yeah. Well, it's, it means a lot to me because they definitely cut out like, as, as I, I think I've mentioned it a few times, like kind of secretly on the podcast, <laughs> I couldn't tell you what it was for, but I did tell you guys, it was like the biggest experience of my life. Yeah. Um, but you know, I fought my first official fight was on SAS. That mm. was my first official fight. Yeah. And I fought a six foot three guy that I chose. Right. And when they cut out bits like that, like, so they cut it and they edited it and they said there were no volunteers. And that, oh my gosh, I was laughing. Every the group chat was going off. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, I got your fight. Cause, um, you know, they actually not only did they cut my fight, but they said there were no volunteers. And mm. I'd volunteered first, picked the biggest guy and fought him. And had the fight. Had the fight, got knocked down twice, had the one moment, my favourite bit, he comes he comes across with the must have been a right hook. I go under, I get some body shots in, you know. It was a massive experience for me. Despite the fact that they cut that out, they also cut me carrying some very heavy men on stretchers, mm. on a stretcher for a very long way. Mm. They completely, every single shot they used of me um, in that scene, in the casualty evacuation, was either me putting on my backpack or taking it off, which showed that I'd just been carrying the stretcher, which was so funny. Right. The fact that, so when I saw that, naturally I was disappointed because I wanted my friends and my family to see the, like two, two, two moments of my life where I'm so proud of myself. Luckily there are photos of it. Okay. The, the, they, didn't, they didn't not send me the photos. Yeah. Very grateful for the photographer who captured those moments. Those are life-changing moments for me. Mm. But despite them cutting those moments out, a family, you know, were able to see yeah. and still think you were so strong. Like you pushed so hard. So that meant the world to me. Oh, that's good. Cool. Yeah, that really did mean so... I think that's the thing. Like, so yes, while I was content with everything and talking about that external validation, mm-hmm. when you don't get it, like I would say generally, maybe most of us don't get it. Mm-hmm. I'd say um, when you do get it, it's just like, whoa, like, whoa, like that to me is I'm never going to forget that moment of this. Yeah. This lady almost jumping through the middle seat, looking at me <laughs> like, you're the little chick. Because obviously I look very different. With right. my hair's not in braids. A lot yeah, of yeah. people have said that, which is kind of a good thing. What I like about it is I haven't been recognised. Oh. So no one no one's going to recognise me from the show because right. my hair's completely different, yeah. which is so funny, which is great. It's like, 
Yeah, for sure. Incognito mode. I love it. Um, I would totally do that if I go on again on something different. Right. Just kind of wear a very different hairstyle to what I usually do. You don't have to worry about anything. That's right. Well, that's like, um, this is a crazy, silly example. Oh, that's good. (laughs) It doesn't surprise me, Matt, that like all your examples, (laughs) I'm going to grab a drink while I listen. Yes, go on. So it was Mickey Roy. No. (laughs) Uh, It was uh, with the wrestling and um, people always – Felt jealous of Kane, who is a. So you got the Undertaker. You might have heard of the Undertaker. Oh yes, I have heard of the Undertaker. Yeah, so I they, believe he jumped from a cage. He, he's done a lot of insane things. Yeah, yeah. That's and, what I would do if I was on there. Oh yeah, he's, he's yeah. done. He's done it all. Yeah. Uh, so they came up with a character called Kane, who was his brother. You know, and it was obviously not his brother. It was just another guy. But um, Kane wore a mask, and yeah. he was huge, massive, yeah. seven foot guy. Yeah. Um, and all the other wrestlers were jealous of Kane because he could freely go uh, around cities and no one would recognise uh, him because they he was wearing a mask and a wig. Like, mm. <laughs> So they were always like frustrated that everywhere that they went, and I guess it, it's nice to have that recognition that people yeah. see you, but I guess it would be kind of frustrating if you're just trying to go about your day. Yeah, you just yeah. want to buy some food or you want to – and, you know, yeah. you're, you're getting all that. Yeah, people you know, to want to talk to you or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So he was able to always sort of That's be, very smart. Yeah. I love that. I love DJs that hide their identity. And I, I was the same. Like, actually, my first thing in music was I was doing creating tracks on, like, YouTube with, like, no identity. And mm. I just liked that idea that there was nothing caught up to you. Mm. And I definitely agree. Like, I love that idea of Kane. Like, if I were to do, to do that, because <laughs> you get the best of both worlds. Right. So should you choose to be that figure, which is still you, but you're that publicly recognised figure, mm. you just put on the mask. But as you said, you can still have that private life. Like, yeah, I think that's mm. quite a good idea. You heard of um, Banksy? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop? Is that um, <gasps> the graffiti artist? Yeah. Have yeah. you seen, I don't know if you guys know about this, um, to our listeners, that's who I refer to as guys. I'm very well <laughs> aware that Matt is the only other person. That <laughs> Dave, you're listening? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But he did this artwork that, like, it ate itself or something. Did you really? hear about that? I didn't hear about this. It, I think it had a – yeah, 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 yeah. He sold an artwork. I'm not quite sure how it worked. I think I think it had, a like, a timer in it or something. So he wow. sold this artwork for, like, $1.4 million or something. No, yeah, no, right. it would have been way more than that. It was, like, a huge, ridiculous amount of money for this artwork. Right. And then when it was installed, it has, like, a paper shredder down the bottom and it just shredded itself. Yeah, I'll wow. Google it right now. Wow. It. But yeah, it was quite it was quite funny. We're, so the person that bought it Should I Google it so yeah, we can if find you want out it. more? That it, they didn't know that it was gonna get destroyed. <laughs> so funny. I don't know whether they knew. Let's Google this. Is like this Banksy. The same guy that had the banana taped to the wall. <laughs> Banksy shredding art. Yeah. Wait, but he had what tied to what? Oh, there was yeah, yeah, it was, shred- it was shredded. Wow. So, and it was sold right after auction. You have to include a video. Oh wow. That's incredible. Okay, so I'll just read it out now. Mm. I wish I could show you. It was a beautiful image. It was the image of the girl, a, uh, a girl in, in it, and her, she's all black, and then she's got a red love heart balloon, and she's she's letting it go. <laughs> so somebody's so just paid for it without knowing that it's got to shred itself. <laughs> I don't think they knew. She said, I'm told that someone from Banksy's publicity team contacted Sotheby's, which is an auction house, to sell the painting Girl with a Balloon, but that the consignment came with stipulations more or less as follows. A, the painting had to be hung in the sales room during the sale. It needed to be sold in the latter half of the proceedings 
and it wasn't to be examined out of the frame. As it's not the norm to hang a relatively inconsequential valued painting in the room. The pre-sale was two hundred thousand pounds to two to three thousand hundred pounds during an evening auction, and the house said no. Oh. Then the consigner countered by offering to pay a seller's fee of around five percent. I actually don't know what that means, so mm-hmm. we're going to skip past this bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite a long explanation. <laughs> when we asked the artist studio about removing the work from its frame, we were expressly told not to. We were told that the frame was integral to the work. Breaking it would damage the work and negatively impact its artistic value. (laughs) Okay. This is fantastic. I just want to get to the main story, though. So so somebody's bought this painting for 1.1 something million pounds. He must have had a remote in it, I think, because as soon – okay, this is incredible. I have just obtained the story. Okay, here we go. So, oh, I think I was almost spot on with my guess. Did I say $1.3 million? Yeah, I think so. It was $1.4 million was the price of Banksy's artwork, Girl with a Balloon. Mm -hmm. As soon as the auctioneer dropped the gavel, something unexpected happened. A beeping alarm went off. Beep, beep, beep. (laughs) And the frame began eating the painting. Wow. Spitting half of it out the bottom in what may be the first instance of a self-destructing painting. Wow. That's unbelievable. we got to include Ooh. a video of that. I will. I'll Can you imagine? Oh. What I would like to know is did the, did the person get their money back? Well, I guess if they hadn't handed it over yet. Yeah. It's like, were. hey, you've got to deliver the goods. It still works as a publicity thing for sure. But Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Like, I think Banksy, Banksy is someone I, I admire. Right. I mean, he's a great guy. I've spoken to him a few yeah, you and Banksy go <laughs> nah, way back. Nah, just kidding. <laughs> I am Banksy. Right, you could be. We should, we should start that. Yeah. I, I am actually Banksy. Right, um, you're heading over to the UK regularly to yeah, do if anyone's wondered, painting. <laughs> yeah, everyone's wondered why I've been, uh, no one knows oh, yeah, where I right. am half the time. That's why you've got paint on your hands today. <laughs> yeah, but that an- anonymity is, is um, a story in it of itself. Mm. You know, when somebody, you don't know who they are, and especially yeah. today where you can go online and find everything and anything mm. about somebody. Uh, <laughs> and I'm <laughs> really laughing because of that time I tracked that guy down. <laughs> that was the most amazing story oh, ever. Man. I can't believe I don't know how you did that. Uh, that was took, insane. It, it took um, a couple of days and a lot of persistence. That was I, amazing. I got him. I got him in the end. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. You really need to be hired for those skills. Like, for real, for real. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, one of my friends is uh, studying uh, IT um, at uni and it's like the – you know, all the hacking sort of uh, security side of things. And some of the cases they look at, I think there's like a group in the US, uh, a group of just uh, everyday citizens or or even teenagers or whatever, and they have these like phenomenal sort of hacking skills or researching skills. And they've, they've been like digging up like cold cases and stuff and solving them and then like sending the police like all the information as to this is what's happened. This is where this person is. This is why, you know, and it's like this this amazing group. I can't remember the name of it, but I think there's a documentary on them as well. Wow. Um, and they'll get like your know, missing persons cases. That's what I want to do when I'm retired. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Like how amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, people that have these awesome skills and they don't get paid or anything, but they're you know it's like a group 
effort. Like they'll get a missing person and they'll put it to the group and they're like, this is who we're trying to find. This is the information that's available. And then they'll, they'll track them down. And it's like, oh, they're living in Venezuela oh, or something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We should try to find some, one of those people and get them on the podcast. Yeah. Have you, have you heard of um, uh, Shia LaBeouf's uh, Capture the Flag thing? No, no. Oh, this is hilarious. Yeah. You'll love this. This is related to what you were talking about. Yeah, so, yeah. So, um, Shia LaBeouf... Uh, the actor, um, not a fan of uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, and he, when Donald Trump was uh, in as president, uh, Shia LaBeouf put up like this um, uh, American flag or it was, it was some, it might have been the American flag. And, oh no, sorry, it was a flag that said he will not divide us. And, uh, and he had like a 24-hour stream going, like pointing at this flag. And within, you know, two days, <laughs> somebody had, had like stolen it and, and oh really yeah yeah, yeah yeah and they replaced it with uh peppy the frog or or keki the frog or whatever yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. This oh little, yeah, yeah 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 this silly meme like yeah, flag yeah. uh and so he did another one and it was uh it was a live stream it was 24 yeah. 7 and it was like the camera was on the ground looking up the top and there was a flagpole the only thing you could see was the flagpole and the sky yeah. and these people like like grew on the internet, like just found each other. And like I was on Reddit or something, and they're like, "We've got to figure out where this is" because they hated Shia LaBeouf or they just wanted it to be funny or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they they figured out by like the the weather patterns of far you know, out the yeah. weather. I was gonna yeah. say, how would you? I, I thought they would be googling like. Flagpoles of America. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it the was, weather is quite a smart way to it do it. It was. So yeah. they, they would be like, okay, well, the sun just came up because it was a live stream. Yeah. Sun's just come up. So yeah. it's got to be in this part of the country. Yeah. And yeah. it was, they, they found it. They tracked it down. It was in some field somewhere in the middle of nowhere. That's and it was like these guys were, somebody who lived near there was mm. like, would, got in their truck and they were like driving around and like just honking the horn until you could hear the horn on the live stream. Oh, they're like, wow. oh, we can hear you. You're close. You're close. And, and the, so they found wow. it and then brought his flag down, put the Peppy the Frog thing. Oh, <laughs> and this went, on, this went on and on. Like it went gosh. for about seven rounds like this. It's on YouTube. It's hilarious. And at one point, that's insane. Yeah. Man. So he kept moving it, like uh, trying to make it so people couldn't figure out where it was. Yeah. And people kept figuring it out. And uh, he had it in the UK at one point, And it was like on top of a building, like a nondescript building. Oh, my Lord. They yeah. got a drone with a flamethrower. And they flew, they flew the drone and burnt the flag. Are you serious? <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. And so he did another. The final one that he did, um, it, was, it was literally in a room. And it was just, <laughs> this is the level he had to go to. It was in a room and all you could see was the That's flag insane. taped to the wall. Yeah, yeah. They still figured it out. It was, I think it was in the UK again. And um, they figured it out by, you could slightly see uh, the light from the window in like the corner. All he needed was a black room, yeah. like a dark room, like yeah. a photography studio. Yeah. And so like they, they figured out from just where the light would would when it would start and when it would move, like the 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 pattern That's of insane. sunlight. That is persistence. Yeah. Imagine being. Imagine how annoyed you'd be. This is what makes me so happy alone. about it. It's so funny because he was like trying. You, know, you could see him getting angry. They found it again. 
and it's like trying to come up with ways to make it so that they couldn't get rid of it. And yeah, so he did the last one he did, which I I don't know if it's still up there now, but um, it, it was sounds like the stalker who keeps uh, stalking my stories on fake accounts. Oh. Anyway, yeah, come on. Yeah, so he's got it's in a in a room. And um, they still found it. And so at night, they used to shine torches from the street. <laughs> and so you would see the light from the torch on the stream. Like, we know that your flag's in there, but we're not going to break into your house. <laughs> yeah, so good. Oh, my God. And, like, oh, my God. I just can't get over that. That's yeah. insane. So, but but the, in terms of because people were relying on each other's information and knowledge and they, they were working on a task together that they, you know, <laughs> all had a common interest great in. great teamwork, yeah. though. Like, really good teamwork. Like, imagine putting, again, putting those powers to good use. Like, yep. that team in America would love, exactly. to speak to, would love to speak to one of them on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to do that, I think that's a great example of human teamwork. Yeah, for that's, sure. Imagine working in a team like that. Imagine yeah. being a teammate and something like that. That's amazing. Yeah, because, you know, people would have different skills that all – combine to get the result and it's like maybe this person knew about weather patterns and yeah. it was like they were able to give the information somebody else wouldn't have had to be able to go, oh okay well i'm near there so i can drive and honk the horn and then it's like this collaboration of skills <laughs> found the result and the result was you know just to be silly and to you know to put up a flag of a frog but <laughs> i love the drone with the the drone the with the flame. We're gonna have to. We need to see yeah, some so, footage of so the funny. drone, drone so with the flame floor. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's been a fabulous podcast. We've spoken about many different things. Uh, we've spoken about Antarctica. Mm-hmm. We may indeed have a daily combat podcast one day in Antarctica. Wow. Why not? Sure. Might tomorrow. As well. <laughs> not tomorrow. It's a travel time. COVID restrictions. Right. But no, I would. I wouldn't mind going to Antarctica one day. Yeah. If. Yeah, I'm going to just say this before we wrap up. Like, if we're going to Antarctica, do something like walk across it. Don't just go to Antarctica. Like, I know a lady who went to Antarctica and she was part of a marriage ceremony by chance. Like, some people decided to get married on her boat mm-hmm. and they got married, you okay. know, there, with a, there were penguins about or something. They got married on it. Like, imagine having your marriage on Antarctica. That's what this couple did. Wow. And she was a part of that. You know, like, do something as well. Yeah. Like, don't just, like, imagine if you say, like, yeah, I went to Antarctica. Yeah, it's cool. But imagine if you said, like, I went to Antarctica and I ran across it. Yeah. Or I ran, walked across it. Yeah, or did something. Something that you went I there walked for. Across. I walked across. Just I hang out in the station watching, playing Nintendo. Yeah, I sauntered, sauntered. across Antarctica. Mickey walked. Yeah, I'm Mickey walked doing 20Ks <laughs> on Antarctica. They know what I'm saying. So that's why I'm saying, like, has there been a podcast recorded in Antarctica? We could be know. the first. Maybe. That's, uh, we could put that's a flag a up of a frog. We could. <laughs> we also of a land shark. Of a land shark. <laughs> I mean, there, there are none there. It's too cold for them to survive. Right, it there is. wouldn't be any there. Yeah. Yeah. There are ice sharks there. There are ice sharks. So. Different breed. <laughs> I don't believe any government has claimed ice sharks. No. It could yes. be the first. You can start your new government, your own Isabella government. In fact, I'm going to take over Antarctica. Okay. The new territory of Isabella. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, no worries. All right. Well, we will wrap it up there. So thank you, everybody, for listening. This is the Daily Combat Podcast, Hollywood Matt Connolly, and sporting polymath, turnbox Olympic hopeful, uh, Mickey Rorker, uh, Isabella Rossitano. Thank you, Matt. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be here. I'm really happy to be back. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and can't wait for the next podcast. Stay tuned. All right. Merry Ah. Christmas, everyone. We hope you enjoyed the the, the Christmas special. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Keep combating. All right.
you've been listening to the Daily Combat Podcast. Special thanks also go out to our main sponsor, Real Estate Agents Group. This company is growing to become one of South Australia's largest independent real estate groups. With their board of directors with over 100 years of collective real estate industry experience, Real is for real people by real people. Check them out on Facebook under Real Estate Agents Group or visit their website urbanandruralsales.com.au. The Daily Combat Podcast is proudly brought to you by Dave Stockbridge, Isabella Rossitano and Hollywood Matt Connolly. Make sure to give us a five-star review as this helps us to continue to promote combat sports in Australia and around the world. You can find out more information about the podcast at dailycombatnews.com. You can also follow us on all social media platforms with full video episodes available on YouTube. Just search The Daily Combat Podcast. Thank you again for listening from all of us here at The Daily Combat Podcast team.